And that's where YouTube gets the bad rap because people go down a rabbit hole of trying to search for stuff that they shouldn't be searching for yet. They're searching for step five when they should be going to step one. They just don't know what step one is. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And on today's episode, we've got Ryan Moke. He is a swing instructor, and he does lessons on Skillist, but he is a lot more than that. And we get into his thoughts on his swing philosophy, the learning process that he takes students on, how long to stick with a swing change or a swing coach, even if you're not seeing quick progress, and much more. This part one is less about mental game-specific stuff and more about some helpful ways to think about swing progress and instruction, which I think is a key component to improvement. In part two, we get into more mental game-specific stuff, so stay tuned for that one. But before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about the custom weekly practice plan. You give me your stats or your assessment of your driving approach shots, short game, and putting, and you tell me when you can typically practice, and I will hand build you a practice plan and send it to you in PDF form, as well as a customizable template with practice challenges. If you're interested in practicing better and practicing the way I did to get good enough to make it to the finals of a USGA championship, then you need a custom weekly practice plan. Go to joshnicholsgolf.com slash practice dash plan, or go to the link in the show notes to learn more and purchase your practice plan. And if you feel like you need one-on-one work on your mental game, that's what I do. Yes, I host this podcast and I build practice plans, but my actual occupation is working with players all over the world on their golf psychology. If you like the Mental Golf Show and the topics that I cover with guests or in my Golf Thought Thursday episodes, this is the exact type of stuff that I work on with players. So if you'd like to take the next step to improve your mental game, then send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com, or you can visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. Or if you'd like a less formal intro to mental coaching, you don't have to talk to me, you don't have to pay anything, you could take the mental game assessment. It's a 15-minute questionnaire that'll give you your mental strengths and your biggest area for mental improvement. It's a great resource to start working on your mental game. And again, the best part is it is free. The link to everything I've mentioned will be in the show notes of this episode. All right, let's learn some better ways to think about the swing and instruction from Ryan Moke. I hope you enjoy. So I've got Ryan Moke uh, on the Mental Golf Show. So I, Ryan, first of all, first of all, I appreciate you being on here. This is it's a pleasure to get to talk to you. Yeah, mate, appreciate it. Um, I've obviously seen your stuff around, and um, you know, I think all through Twitter. So yeah, it's exciting to to chat with you today. All right, cool. So so is your, um, I mean, I know you as a swing instructor. I don't know. Do you like that term? How would you if you met someone at a party? What would you if someone said, "What do you do?" Uh, what would you say? Yeah, I'm not sure if I like that term because it just kind of puts us all into this one basket, right, of of swing only. And I think, you know, as we talk today um, about how my coaching is now kind of moving towards online definitely lends itself towards a lot of swing instruction. But I do, I still do a lot of chipping, still do a lot of putting, still talk with players about strategy, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, look, I just, I'm a golf coach that, that helps people improve their game at the end of the day. So whether that's through swing or whether that's through, yeah, all the other skills that golf has to offer. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so obviously doing stuff through Skillist, I think is your, is your primary source, uh, at least what you make public on Twitter. It is, you know, that's, that's mostly swing, chipping, putting related stuff, but how often, I don't even know if this, um, if this is something you even do, but do you ever talk on Skillist about strategy, mental related things that aren't like, hey, my swing is, I'm hitting big slices or something. Yeah, so I mean, I just literally hopped off a, a Zoom call with a player this morning and yeah, we, we talk about a bunch of things. Like uh, Zoom calls are great to get on with players. Uh, obviously, it can be a live lesson. That's that's kind of what the majority use it for. But yeah, a lot of the times it's just two people like we are right now sitting together and you know we're talking about what happened on the weekend or we're, we're talking about where we're going in the next couple of months um you know how to structure their winter programs all that kind of stuff so yeah there's there's definitely a lot of things you can do online uh it's not just the golf swing but what you might see me post might look like a lot of golf swing stuff but uh yeah obviously people love to see that stuff as well so yeah there's definitely more to it than that um so yeah good good so what's what's been your kind of journey if you could you know you're on an elevator with someone for two minutes. How would you describe, this is how I got to where I am today, sitting with me, uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel. You must be really bored if you're with me. So what got you to this point? Uh, I think if we start from the start, I've always been really sporty, right? So even at school, I never really listened in class, couldn't be bothered with it. Um, I I just knew deep down that wasn't where I was going to go. Um, so could do every sport under the sun, but focused on a sport called rugby league over in uh, New Zealand where I grew up. So it's kind of like rugby, but it's instead of just having unlimited tackles, it's you get six tackles um, and then you kick it to the other end and then the other team has six tackles. So I played that from about age five to about mm, maybe 18, something like that. But when I was 16, um, I actually moved over to Australia Um and I, I yeah, similar to if players want to try and get on the PGA Tour for golf, they go over to the States, um, whereas for me, it was Australia. This is the main sport here. So I went over there and, look, I made yeah, I made all the rep teams I needed to. But one day, I you know, I got my license. I've always played golf as a kid. My granddad got me into the game um, and I, I just wanted to go play golf. So I had my license and um, all of a sudden I, I went and, Went to the golf course instead of training for footy, and that was it. And yeah, I took a I took a bit of a year off after after school. I kind of wanted to decide what I wanted to do, and and I, I definitely knew I wanted to go down the golf path. Didn't know really how to, so took a year off, and and yeah, found the traineeship. So my first year of my traineeship, I or my first attempt, I didn't actually get in. Didn't play well enough. So that was kind of one of those things in your life where you go look. Do I continue trying it or do I just try and go for another year? Do I get better? So I chose to get better, got in the next year, spent three years doing my traineeship and like everyone, um, yeah, wanted to play. But but I think I think deep down I knew I wasn't going to be good enough to play. So I quickly jumped on the on the coaching bandwagon and started going all in on that. Basically after, you know, basically year two of my traineeship, uh, I went all in on coaching. And it's just been an, a, a never-ending, you know, pursuit of trying to trying to become the best coach I can be. And yeah, I did. I was at an in-person venue 
I was at a golf club for six years, learning my trade and, you know, teaching juniors, teaching ladies, teaching beginners, teaching tour pros, all this kind of stuff. And um, <clears throat> I guess long story short, it's a big elevator, by the way, right? It's it's traveling up a few stories. <laughs> um, a very tall building. Yeah, really tall, but uh, Burj Khalifa, right? So, um, <laughs> so skip forward, me and one of my tour players that I coach, we went to the States. And if you look at my Instagram, you'll see all the all the pictures of when I was there. And basically, I quit my in-person job. He wanted to try and make it on the PGA Tour. So we both said, look, I'll go. Or we both kind of agreed, I'll go with you. I'll help you, you know, I'll caddy for you during events. And in the off weeks, I'm going to go and visit the best coaches I can. So I was able to visit James Seekman, Dana Dahlquist, Chris Como. Spent the day with him and Bryson. Um God, there's yeah, uh, Tony Ruggiero. Yeah, I did a heap of his. I did three days with him in Miami um, in his Juice Whippers camp. So met a, a ton of cool coaches and then yeah, came back to Australia. Couldn't get an in-person job. No one was kind of hiring. Um, all I wanted to really do was I, I kind of just said, look, look, I've got clients, but can I just bring them to your venue? I'll pay you a fee. Like I'm literally just bringing you in. Anyway, no one would let me in, so... Um, I gave Baden a call from Skillis and said, look, I've been on Skillis for quite a while, but never did anything with it. But let's give it a go. And um, a year later, mate, here we are. It's, um, it's transfer, mm. transformed my life. Uh, it's definitely got me thinking of different ways of coaching. I think it's made me a better coach as well because your communication has to be very, very good. You know, um, I've coached a lot of players in that time. I think I'm nearly up to like three and a half thousand lessons in a year. Wow. So it's been a very, very busy time. Um, and it's, yeah, it's opened up some new, new opportunities. That's for sure. Which, which, uh, everyone will start to see in the next kind of six to 12 months, I think. So yeah. Great. Yeah. That's, that's the story so far. So yeah, man, that's great. You're talking to you. Yeah. Uh, right. The most recent, uh, part of my life. <laughs> very, very recent right now. So what, um, give me the, like, how long has it been since I think you you called it traineeship from then to now? How long has that stretch been? I finished my traineeship in 2015, so that was my final year. Got it. Yeah, so since 2016 to 2023, I've been coaching full time. Yep, got out of the shop as quick as I could. I didn't want to be in a shop. Um, you know, I didn't. I don't really understand. It's probably the wrong word, but I, I just think if you want to put everything you've got into coaching those 30 hours you spend in the shop, they can be spent doing coaching. You know, you mm. you just got to get out of the shop. I know that it's a little bit more guaranteed money, but in my opinion, if you've got a bit of a gun to the head mentality and, hey, you've got those 30 hours aren't there anymore, make them work, you're, you're going to make them work if you want to. Right. Yep. If you're if you're put into that deep end, you're going to find a way to swim. Absolutely. So when yep. I, I'm, I'm vague on what lessons look like on something like Skillist for me and maybe the five other people that don't understand it. What, what do you do? What's, what's kind of the back and forth on a Skillist lesson? You said you've given 3000 some odd lessons. What is, what do those 3000 uh, comprise of? Yeah, look, it, it depends on the, on the program the student signs up for. Of course, let's, let's assume that the student has unlimited coaching. Okay. They're on my premium plan. And basically, this student has unlimited coaching throughout the month. Now, I always say to people, lessons and check-ins are different. 
So what I would typically do is I, I, I jump on a Zoom call with them first things first. We don't do a lesson until the Zoom call's done because that's our time to kind of communicate what are your goals? You know, what kind of coaching have you had in the past is a massive thing. You know, um, I always ask that because if they've, yeah, a lot of them say, you know, I've had in-person coaching. Yeah, I go a couple of times a year and I'm like, mm, okay, a couple of times a year. You're probably taking the lesson and then losing it four weeks later. Um, so we, we have all these discussions and then I say, look, send me your most recent seven iron and driver swing down the line face on. Um, we get the camera angles correct, et cetera. That takes a bit of time. But from there, sure. obviously during the call, I'm talking about, look, we're going to focus on the big things that we need to do. Um, but once all that's been said, they will send their stuff through. I'll analyze it on the screen. So Skillist allow me to draw lines on the screen, do voiceovers, do comparisons, etc. And I'll analyze their golf swing and I'll say, look, here's the whole rundown of your swing. Here's why you do what you do. And here's where we're going to start because this here is causing this, this, and this. So if we can fix that up and that's good, we can then move on to the next step. And from there, I will go outside or inside if it's raining, whatever it might be, and I'll go and record myself personally doing the drill that I want them to do. In front of the pool? Now, from there, yeah, in front of the pool or, or in front of you know, a brick wall, sure. or it doesn't really yeah. matter. Um, that's where I've seen you, so, in front of the pool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that bit of grass is getting a bit torn up. But um, <laughs> but fr from there, what I what I want them to be, like let's say that they've got a setup issue. Let's just say that. Setup's all over the place, grip's all over the place, whatever it might be. I would then say to you, look, as soon as you can, send me a video. I don't want you hitting a ball. I don't care about a ball just yet. I want to see that you can do the setup that I'm asking you to do. Show me that. And I want them to send me a video of them getting into the setup following the steps that I sent out to them. Now, that would be what I'd call a check-in, mm. right? So it's not a lesson. It's me checking that they are doing what I asked and if they can do it. So let's say that they kind of do it 50% of the way there. It's kind of like, hey, mate, look, it's it's better, but we can still go a bit better, you know, more. So I might analyze it again, put me up on the screen for my last lesson, and say, look, see how I had my head a little bit more behind the golf ball at setup, or so my chest was tilted more away from the target. Can you send me a more exaggerated feeling of that? They'll send another one back. And this could be within a, uh, within a day. It could be within 24 hours. Um, sure. And that's how we're going to have constant communication. Because the biggest thing is, if that was an in-person lesson, and they took that lesson, and they went away for four weeks or eight weeks on their own and they went, hey, I've, yeah, I've been working on my setup and, you know, I've also been trying this right elbow thing and it's like, okay, well, like I haven't seen you for two months. I haven't spoken to you for two months. I haven't been in control at all of what you do um, at home or at the range. And I know that golfers don't practice anywhere near like they should. So I kind of give them the, the information. They go away and potentially don't do it correctly or do it correctly for a week or two and then it just starts to to wean off so the online model allows us to always stay in communication i i never really go you know more than three days three days without seeing a student swing a club and that's how we can make these gains faster mm. more effectively and um yeah have, have them stick more importantly wow okay so it 
that's uh, and that's your premium thing, right? So that's that's the most exaggerated version of this. Like we're talking constantly. So, man, that's um, that's thorough. That's uh, I, I like. I mean, that's yeah. got to be the the most like this is why you pay the big bucks. Big bucks is to get the most thorough coaching. Yeah, and I've I've got other packages. You know, I've got a single lesson where someone can just get the sure. lesson side of things. But and and I've got my my limited monthly option, which is two lessons a month with the ability to kind of communicate with me, um, you know, within the month. The only thing that those two don't allow is those check-in lessons. And that's the big thing. I always I always try and say this to people. I say, look, you're going to get a lesson off me. And then two weeks later or three weeks later, kind of, again, whenever you would like the lesson, so it's a little bit out of my control, then you're going to send in your next swing. And we're going to kind of repeat the lesson to some degree. And I just pray sure. that when you're on your own, you're doing it the correct way. And remember, you can't really send me a, a an updated you know, swing just, just due to the fact that that would be sure. my premium plan. And, and, and yeah, so, but I've had success with, with yeah. players in all types of programs. Um, one of my best successes was yeah. actually on the limited plan for about six months. He's now moved to, to, to premium, but yeah, he made, he made tons of progress. So, um, I had guys do a free analysis mm. with me who have sent me a swing three months later and said, Ryan, this is like, they haven't even taken a lesson. So um, they all work. Yeah. It just depends on the player. Right. And, and it sounds like it depends on what they do between the time. Absolutely. So you said players don't practice anywhere near like they should. How should players practice? Yeah, well, it, it's one of those things, right, where I think with golf instruction, once you get the information and that information can come from anywhere, it can come from a coach, it can come from YouTube, it can come from Instagram. But what a lot of golfers do is they say, oh, I'm, I've watched that. I'm going to go try it on the range. And they just go straight into full swings. And the, the reality is the body has no idea how to swing that way yet. You've got to train it properly. So a lot of, you know, a lot of slow drills, a lot of pause swings, a lot of just it's more so just an understanding in the brain. It's just like being in front of a mirror and going, hey, let me get into that setup position Ryan wants me to get in. Can I actually do it? Okay, man, that feels really weird. That feels to me like I'm setting up like a driver, but they've only moved that much, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the things that I'm really big on. I'm, I'm really big on, this just might be how my brain works, but I much prefer to understand something to its full extent first then it's so much easier to go to the range and go, right, that's the feel I had at home or, or whatever it might be. Um, there's so much to do with practice. That's yeah, why I developed the, <laughs> the video series I did to kind yeah. of teach everyone that. But yeah, so a lot of slow stuff and then slowly build the speed up. Then once you've built the speed up, slowly add pressure. Once you've added pressure, go out to the course and, and test it out there. Got it. Okay. I would assume this would be no, just just the way that you're talking. But do you have a a general philosophy that you try to get players towards, or is it completely custom per player? This is how your body works, or, or do you have like a? This is basically how I think everyone should swing. Uh, how, where do you fall on that spectrum? Yeah, I, I mean. I think any coach that says they don't have systems and they just treat everyone as unique is kind of lying because at the end of the day, if, if, if all us coaches sat in a room and we looked at someone who has a pretty funky setup or a pretty, we're all going to say that needs to be changed. And the reasons why are obviously 
Um, yeah, there's many reasons why, but yeah, sure. I, I like to see a player in a certain setup position. Um, yeah, we don't want to be too far away from takeaway positions that are kind of, you know, up the plane, but, but at the same time, the player would need to prove to me that they can have funky movements and still produce the ball fight that they want. That's the, that's the biggest thing here. Um, I'm not going to touch a Matthew Wolf if Matthew Wolf can prove to me that he's going out hitting the shots he wants at the times that he wants and, and he's shooting the score that he wants. Um, you know, obviously, Gankus, I'm assuming he's still working with him. They would know what his tendencies are and what they need to kind of look for. So it's always tough sometimes when you're looking at unique patterns. And I try and do this all the time, but... I'm kind of like, man, I, I I need to get in touch with that coach to ask, hey, what's what's the typical pattern here? What's the when it goes wrong? What's what's Tony Finau's pattern when it goes wrong? Because everyone could say, mm-hmm. you know, oh, he could stand a little bit different to the ball or all this kind of stuff. But unless you know the player, um, it's kind of hard to comment. So I'm very careful about that. I'm trying to, you know, just yeah. just go look. Prove to me with your funky action it can work. If it doesn't work. Okay then that's possibly causing you to hit poor shots. So let's move it back to a little bit more of a neutral pattern. Yeah, it might not be, like for for some players, it might not be the funky part of it that causes the problems. Like that just might be something they do, and it could be something that looks more neutral that causes their problems. Yeah, and and I think sometimes you've got to ask, not sometimes, all the time, you've got to ask the player, look, are you willing to change something that you've done for 20-plus years, you know? You may be so stuck in your ways with this movement that can we work around it, right? Um, if it's producing some really terrible results, you know, if someone's got a really strong grip, really underneath, hooking it like crazy, then sure, have that conversation and say, look, you know, we, we may need to weaken the grip here a little bit, even though there's top amateurs in the country with super strong grips. It's like, like look, again, put you both on a range and you're both going to produce completely different ball fights with a very similar grit because you know how to kind of use your body and, and some don't. So yeah, you got to have that conversation with the player, but I think all coaches do have some kind of a preference as to what they would like to see in the golf swing uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So is there, is there an issue that you see on a regular basis of self diagnosing and, and I guess, I don't, I guess you couldn't come up with totally individual idea of how my swing should be. You're probably comparing it to somebody you've seen or someone on TV or someone on YouTube or something, but is there, is there a common issue with self-diagnosing that you encounter on a regular basis? You say like a player self-diagnoses themselves? Yeah. Yeah. They don't know what causes what. <laughs> Plain and simple. I was literally talking to one of my players this morning on Zoom. Um, obviously, Tiger's now come out and said, don't watch YouTube. Okay, not mm-hmm. that he's going to influence anyone on that because, yeah, it's, it's one of the – there's so many people on there. But I find, you know, YouTube gets a bad rap, and I used to give it a bad rap mm-hmm. as well for six years. Um, and then I kind of – I tried to do some longer-form content on Instagram and Facebook. didn't really work out, so I switched my own – my, my long-term content onto YouTube and it's kind of taking off quite well. Um, and what I, what I say to players is it's not, it's not the content on YouTube. That's the problem. It's the golfers going on and saying, I have impact issues. 
And you go, okay, cool. Yeah, you sure do. It does look like you're flipping it at impact, whatever. Why are you flipping it? Let's find that out, right? Maybe it's a weak grip and maybe that's causing you to have an open face at the top. Maybe that open face at the top is causing you to cast it, which is causing you to hang back and flip it. So trying to lean the shaft at impact with an open face, you will never be able to do it. So they golfers don't know what steps or what order to work on their golf swing. If they actually knew that and they said, right, the poor impact condition is because of the open face at the top. The open face at the top is because of my poor, poorly weak grip. Um, I could flex the lead wrist and close that face off, or I could just strengthen the grip. Which one am I going to choose? So now I'll go onto YouTube and say, what's the best, you know, how to strengthen my grip or what's the best way to flex your lead, wh- whatever it might be. But at least then they're tackling the root cause of the end issue. Hmm. And that's where YouTube gets the bad rap because people go down a rabbit hole of trying to sort, you know, trying to search for stuff that they shouldn't be searching for yet. They're searching for step five when they should be going to step one. They just don't know what step one is. And that's where, you know, uh, that's where coaching comes into play because we as coaches can say, you know, we need to focus on this first because that's causing all of those other steps. Mm. Yeah, it's the first It's the first domino. Yeah, Yeah. correct. Yeah, you're trying to fix the, the, the last domino and um, yeah. you, need to, you need to push that first one over first, which will then push the second, which will then push the third. And, and, and part of the issue is something you've already talked about is also we don't practice like we should. We don't we don't stay locked into one thing like we should. We we try this one thing and then we get it back on YouTube and try something else and then get back on YouTube and try something yeah. else. And YouTube makes that really super easy. Instagram just scrolling, right? Like mm. TikTok giving you the next swing advice thing. It's really easy, short attention span, instant gratification. It's really easy to just keep that going. So I'm assuming you're trying to be the kind of the light in the darkness, right? Kind of a little bit of, okay, this is, we're, we're talking root cause here. Is that kind of your purpose in, in what you do? Yeah, look, I, look the, the, being completely honest with, with your viewers here, right? Like us coaches post online to grow what we do. We, we, yeah, we need to get ourselves out there. If I just sit at home and I just, you know, if I just sit at home and I don't post anything and I'm just sitting on the couch and I'm like, man, I got no students, you know, like I have to post something out there for people to see me. Now, some people will get in touch and they'll say, I'm trying this out. And I'll say, look, try it out. If that's, but just be aware, it might not be for you. Like, um, but then some people get in touch and say, Hey Ryan, I've, you know, I've, I've done some posts where I actually didn't want to post them. And I was just like, this is, I did a post. Uh, what was it? It was something on Instagram. I would have put it on Twitter as well. Um, it was boring as I thought it was boring as I was in the backyard and I just, I, I'd done a lesson for someone. It was for someone specific and I was talking about like just progressing. I think it was, it was drill progression. So it was how to progress from your drill to a full swing. And I was like, ah, oh, no one's right. I'm not going to get any watches off this. It didn't actually do that well on like Instagram or anything. I got two players contact me because of that and sign up. And they were like, I, I've never heard of this before this sounds like something that I need, help me out. And I was like, that's interesting. So Hmm. I don't really gear my content to be like 20 second reels that are Mm. fun and catchy. And I want to put out stuff where I'm like, hey guys, this is an actual golf lesson that I'm giving someone. 
here's a little bit of information I gave them. Maybe it relates to you. Maybe it doesn't. But if you like what I say and you like how I talk, come and see me. Mm. Like we can, we can have a chat. Um, and then YouTube is a little bit more of the longer form content that no one's going to watch on Facebook and, and, and Instagram because people go to YouTube for longer form content, right? People go to Instagram for the quick flicks. Once I get someone in the door, mm. then we can have the discussion about root causes yes. and all this kind of stuff. But I need to put out something and every coach needs to put out something to show what we can do with you. Then you can choose to do what you want with that. But ultimately, it's, you know, um, we have to market somehow. Uh, and that's the honest truth. And any coach that says, no, no, I'm just putting it out there to help golfers. We are putting it out there to help golfers, of course. But we also need to say, hey, yeah, I can help you achieve your goals. This is how I can do it. Yes. So, got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, something that came to mind as you're as you're talking is sticking with one thing for a while and and again the difficulty of scrolling twitter youtube instagram is our tendency is not to stick with something do you have a general idea of um and maybe this could be sticking with a coach too but how long should you stick with something a swing like a swing tweak swing change or a coach through the difficulties, through the valleys, it's just not getting better. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting better. How, how long should you stick with something like that? Yeah, it's a tough, it's a good question. And it's a tough one to answer um, because everyone's different. Some players make changes really quickly. Like I've, I've had players where I'm like, they're super laid off at the top. Hey, we want to actually feel like we're getting a bit more across the line. The next lesson they're across the line and you're just like, Whoa, like, Okay, let's go. Let's go back to feeling a bit more laid off. Um, and then you got some players who, hey, let's get it laid off because you're way too across the line, or get the feeling of laid off, and it barely moves, and it barely moves for months. And you know, that could be down to just the willingness of the player to go to the extreme on the other end. Um, maybe they're in season. Maybe they're playing a lot of golf. So I always kind of. You know, are you playing a lot of golf versus practicing? This is why I say winter is really good to, to kind of make some changes in your game. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I, I would say you need to see some success for sure. Um, you know, I, I'll be flat mm -hmm. out honest. I've had players sign up for a month and leave uh, because they didn't see progress. And I've, I've got players that have stayed with me since, you know, I've still got students from last November that, that have stayed with me. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, I've had players in between as well. And, yeah, I always try and say to people like it does take time. It does take time, but I, I, I was I, I would say trying to see some small wins. And I think this is where when we are talking about how to practice more effectively, you may not see a big win in the golf swing when you're just moving at fast pace. But when you're moving at slow pace, it's showing you that, hey, that's the movement I'm trying to trying to work on. Like I use myself as an example. My takeaway gets quite wide and I don't load the golf club enough early on in my swing. So I don't hinge the club upwards enough. Mm. Now in a slow swing, I could do it, no, no trouble at all. But the moment I start to go into full speed, everything just gets wide again. And um, now I was hitting balls on the range the other day and I tried to literally not even turn. I just hinged that golf club up so quickly, started to hit it actually pretty good. And I was like, man, that is that just feels like I'm just donking myself in the head with the club. Like, but it wasn't 
like I could feel that it was different. And um, Mm. if I'm willing, yeah, if if a player is willing to go through that little bit of struggle in the, you know, in the short term, I'll probably see some some success. But if they're they're not exaggerating it enough, I feel like that's when we start to start to not see too much change. But um, yeah, look, it takes time. It does take time. Um, you know the old Faldo story, mm. right? It took him two years, and Faldo's a yeah, mm. full-time player, major champion. So if it takes someone like that two years of just day in, day out stuff to change things, yeah, we, we've got to give it. Yeah, we've got to give ourselves a bit of a break from from time to time with, when it comes to changes, for sure. All right, everyone, hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ryan. I really like the way that he talked about cause and effect and how self-diagnosing actually causes issues with that cause and effect uh, progression. You jump, uh, I guess we and me, I, I say this from personal experience, we jump to the effect uh, long before we ever get to the cause and the actual real issue. That's something that I have done over the course of my golf career. And when I actually threw in the towel and said, okay, forget about this, forget about this self-diagnosing, it got so much better because my instructor helped me address the cause. So I hope you came away with the same insights that I did and have come across uh, across my um golf career. So this episode was a great kind of reminder for that. And if you like this episode, you'd probably also like my conversation with Sasho McKenzie. We get into some awesome details about learning and just generally thinking about things in a much more scientific way. Uh, Sasho is the kind of co-founder of the Stack System. He's a biomechanist. He's just one of the smartest guys in the golf industry. Uh, I got to talk to him and it was just a really fascinating conversation. Uh, we talk about like the most important ways to actually improve your game and how putting, uh, you're better off looking up at the hole and you're better off working on, uh, speed than actually like hitting it solid. And you're, and it's just, it was just really, really cool details. Uh, that one was released back on May 16th of 2023. So I highly recommend you go back and check that one out. And as I always mention at the end of these episodes, what you've heard isn't therapy. It's meant for information and entertainment purposes only. If you feel like you need personal help on some deeper things you're going through, I encourage you to go talk to a licensed professional. But on the golf psychology front, if you feel like what you've heard doesn't quite cut it and you'd like to work one-on-one with someone, I'm a golf psychology coach. I work with players all over the world on improving their minds so that it can improve their performance on the course. If you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com or visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. And again, if you want to improve the quality of your practice and get the most out of your time, especially during the off season when time is even more limited or you're in a simulator or you just have a one of those practice putting uh, mats, this is you got to get the most out of that time even though it's limited and the time is limited you can still get the most out of it so let me hand build you a custom weekly practice plan go to joshnicholsgolf.com slash practice dash plan or go to the link in the show notes to learn more i also encourage you to go take the mental game assessment it's a free 15 minute questionnaire that'll give you your mental strengths and areas for improvement. The link to everything I've just mentioned will be in the show notes of this episode, along with Ryan Moke's stuff. 
All right, thanks again to everyone who listens to The Mental Golf Show. Whether you're new here or you've been here since day one, I really appreciate the community that you have been a part of building. If you learned something on this episode, go subscribe and go leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Maybe mention the biggest thing that you've learned listening to the podcast underneath your five-star review. And I would love it if you shared this episode with a friend who always has something new to work on or they they found something online and they're just jumping from one swing tip to the next. They definitely need to think about it differently. Okay, thanks for listening to The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys next time.